Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Social Value, a podcast where we explore what creating value for society means and the practical ways you can go about creating it. My name's Sarah and my guests work in different areas of social value across public, private and third sector organisations. From public sector procurement to ESG and sustainability, social enterprise and impact measurement. I'll be asking them about their work and what they've learned and they will be sharing their tips and experience to help us all make our organisations better. In this episode, we're going behind the scenes and finding out what the public sector thinks of social value. My guest today is Carol Glenn, Social Value Programme Manager at Solihull Metropolitan Council. Carol is well known in the social value world and as one of the UK's first practitioners in a local authority, she has so much great advice to share. In this episode, you will learn what social value is and how Solihull Council are using it in their procurement processes. The things that public sector procurers really want to see suppliers, including in their bids, And why, when it comes to social value, quality is more important than price. We've also got some fabulous real-life examples of social value in action, which will be guaranteed to leave you smiling. So let's hear from Carol as she tells us who she is and what her role involves. Carol, am I right in thinking that you were one of the first people to be 100% dedicated to social value in a local authority? As far as I'm aware, yes, I was one of the first. And I think that was all down to the procurement manager that I had at the time. She had quite a bit of foresight, really. And she was part of the Social Value National Task Force. And she realised how important social value was and was going to become. And she decided to create a role for it. So even though we are quite a small council, we are a metropolitan borough. We were quite innovative in getting me in post as a 100% social value role. My role was created to embed social value into the procurement process across the council. And although that is still primarily my role, I am getting involved a bit more on the corporate social value and looking at how we can include social value in other processes like planning asset transfer and looking at how social value can be delivered by us as a council. So I just had a conversation this morning with East Ayrshire Council and they were telling me about they're about to take on 200 apprentices over two years within the council itself which I thought was quite interesting and I know lots of councils do things like that but what do you do in Solihull? I was only on a call yesterday about employing people with disabilities and what comes with that because some people with disabilities can only work a few hours a week so we've got a scheme within the council where we've employed people with disabilities and learning disabilities they may only work four hours a week but actually it's making all the difference to them we also do apprentices and graduate internships and we work closely with the college doing work placements and stuff like that but it's not just about that as well we have done volunteering days so we've helped some of the community groups doing stuff there is a wide breadth of things that we do that isn't necessarily what you would think of normal council services can you talk a little bit about your key priorities and the kinds of things that you look for suppliers to offer when you ask them about social value We have actually got social value as a building block in our council plan. So the council plan lists our priorities. And as I say, social value is a mechanism to achieve some of those objectives. And 
we always say to our suppliers, always look at the council plan and see what our priorities are. What we've done in the last year is that we have listed which measures are our priorities and they are highlighted in the TOMS as our priorities. We've also listed them in our tender documents and our social value policy to make it clear which ones of those measures, so not just what our priorities are, but actually which measures feed into those priorities. Just clarify, just for people who aren't familiar with the TOMS, when you say measures, do you mean the specific outcomes that you want to see attached to those priorities? Yes, so TOMS stands for themes, outcomes and measures. The measures are the actual practical things that people can do to deliver those outcomes. So, for example, the outcome might be to reduce crime in an area and the measure would be to assist a youth club, for example, in helping to reduce crime in the area. So those are the specific things that a supplier can do to reach those outcomes. And as I say, we have specific measures that are prioritised. So they will get a multiplier effect during the evaluation because that supplier recognised that that is one of our priorities and they want to deliver it. Now, care leavers is one of our priorities and that is one of our Solihull TOMS. So it's not part of the national set, but it is one of our Solihull TOMS that we've created because care leavers are really important to us and they've been in the care system all their lives and then we don't want them to just be forgotten about as soon as they leave the care system and I think that is definitely one of our main priorities. So what would you say to a company who said well that's all very well and good but I don't have a program that employs care leavers or ex-offenders or I don't normally go to youth groups I can go and do a session in one if you want me to but it's going to cost this much money and they will then build the cost of that provision into the price they charge you so what's your kind of response to that where they don't do any of these things that you're asking them for and it's very definitely a like add-on you know it's not built in necessarily into the way they deliver their products and services if it's built into their costing then you know, that is a way of maybe passing on the cost to us as a buyer. But actually, social value doesn't need to cost extra money. And I think that is a really important point, because if you are employing local people, then that's not going to cost you any more because you're already going to be employing those people. They just happen to be being employed from a local area. And the same with your supply chain, you're still going to buy the same goods. You're just going to buy them from a local company, which actually could save you money because you're not paying for the transport as much. So social value doesn't need to cost any more. The one that people include especially is volunteering time. So a lot of companies actually allow their staff to have one or two volunteering days a year. So that is automatically included in their salary and therefore in the cost of the contract. More for the buyers that don't take up that offer of volunteering, you know, make sure that if a company is offering volunteering time or if they're allowing their staff that time, 
then make sure you make the most of it as an organisation, as a buyer. Actually, the responsibility is on both sides, not just the bidder to cover the cost, but actually for the council to make sure that they're getting the value needed. So if you are having trouble recruiting or you turn around and you say, well, we'll recruit, but we can't guarantee they're going to be local. Well, that's what our employment and skills team is there for, to help recruit people from the local area who may have the skills that you require or have got the backing. You know, they're work ready, but they might not have the experience. Take a punt, employ those people. And through that partnership approach, the employment and skills team have filled your vacancy. Coming back to what we said before about being specific, if you had a, if somebody was writing an offer for one of your contracts and they said, we commit to doing a community project that's focused on improving biodiversity of the local area and creating environmental benefits. We've seen a few examples of projects that might be suitable, but we will work with the council to identify the right one. We'll do the planning in Q1 and we'll do the delivery in Q2 and report on in Q3. Is that specific enough an answer for you? Yes, because they've said how many hours or how many projects they want to do, in what area they want to do it, biodiversity. And then we can put the feelers out. Once that has been awarded, you know, that's when you get put in touch with people. But I would also advise suppliers to do your research on an area. If you are looking to win a contract at Solihull, then have a look at the website and every council has what they call, well, as is state of the borough reports. So it shows the different areas within Solihull, which are the areas of deprivation, which areas need help and what sort of help they need. So like in the north of Solihull, it is an area of deprivation and we have third and fourth generation unemployed families up there so they need a lot of support whereas the other end of Solihull the south of the borough is very affluent there is a huge number of elderly retired population in the south of the borough so even though we're a small borough we have quite a disparity between the north and the south and you can understand that when you look at those reports and you can base your bid upon what those reports say. I think that's a really important point as well because the affluent area is more likely to have community capacity. So they're more likely to have you know, parish councillors and community groups and lots of volunteers because you've got your retired, had a career, bored, need something to do, people lots of time on their hands who do these kinds of initiatives. So you're probably likely to find quite a lot of litter picks in those areas and community gardens. And so if you just did a Google search, you'd be like, oh, brilliant, it's in Solihull and it's an environmental, I'll just put that in. But you might not realise that's actually in a in a very affluent, lovely area that doesn't need it as much as a community garden or a food forest or a, you know, could be of benefit in the north. And so what you're saying is look at these plans and look at these kind of indices of deprivation and the socioeconomic profile of the region and to help you decide where best to put your resources. Definitely. Do your research and learn a bit about the area that you're procuring in. It makes all the difference. You're a procurement professional with lots of experience in the public sector. And as we've talked about, 
it's really hard for suppliers to really kind of get an understanding of where the public sector is coming from. So kind of just ask some of those questions that they might want to know. So how important is social value really in your purchasing decisions? Does it really make a difference whether someone gets a contract or not? It can do, yes. And we have proved that where when a contract is very close on price and quality, we have social value as a separate weighting, a separate area. We split our tenders price, quality, social value. In a few of our contracts, social value has been the deciding factor where price and quality are very similar, where you're purchasing goods, for example. So yes, social value can make the difference. So it's an important commercial differentiator. Yes. Thank you very much. And what actually happens inside the room when you're assessing a social value answers? Because there's a lot of mystery around this. So social value portal actually do most of the evaluations on tenders. So once the deadline is reached, then social value portal fire up and start opening the bids and initially looking at the quantity side, the numbers. And then they start looking at the quality section to see that those numbers are correct. If there are any errors or things that they need to clarify, they will raise clarification questions at that point. And once those are clarified, then they will finalise the evaluation. So the process, if we are doing it at Solihull, is very similar. So as soon as the tenders arrive, they are opened and we assess or read the returns. I only read just the social value bit, don't read anything else. So it's important to make sure you put all relevant information in the social value return because I don't read any other part of the tender. Is that common? Is that what most procurers will do? They'll, If they have a social value person or the people assessing the social value section will only look at the social value section. So we have evaluators around the council and they will be evaluating a certain part of that tender, whether it be part of the quality, the technical specification, for example, or another part. They will only look at that question. They are only evaluating the response to that question. So that is common. They don't look at any other part because they are just evaluating that question. That's really interesting because often if you put something somewhere else in the bid, but it's also relevant to the social value answer, you should put it in there too. You're not duplicating on your word count. It's not a waste of the words. No, you're not duplicating on your word count because especially in our returns, the social value has its own word count. So if you are saying something that is relevant to the social value section, you should repeat it in the social value question, even if you put it somewhere else, because I will not look at anything else. So if you are a local company to Solihull, for example, I don't look at where a company is based. So you need to tell me if you're an SME and you're local in that little bit of the response so that I know they're a local company, they're not millions of miles away. That's so obvious, but I just would never have thought of that. Right, moving on, I interrupted you. So you open the bids, they give you the social value section, and then what do you do? So basically, it's just reading through the response and seeing, do they understand what social value is? And have they answered the question? So part of it is around when we're asking a question rather than using the portal, the question is in a few points 
around how you embed it, what commitments would you make to Solihull and how do you justify it? And then the last point is, do you have a policy? Whether you have a policy or not is not a pass fail. It just gives us the idea of whether you as a company are aware of social value and it's embedded in your ethos and culture. And basically the response will be graded based on what you say. There's usually scoring criteria ranging from naught to five and we score it accordingly. We cannot give four and a half. It has to be either a four or a five. So it is based around the quality of that response. Do we have faith that you are going to deliver what you are committing to? And is it just you that does that or are there a few of you? On the social value side, I usually do it with one other person. It's always good to make sure you have two evaluators for a question so that if there is a glaring difference in the scoring, then you can moderate it. So it's usually me plus one other officer of the council. What happens then? So the social value score is given back to the procurement officer who combines it with the price and the quality scores. They will find out based on that who has given us the most economically advantageous bid. We're looking at it as a whole. So it's not necessarily the best social value bid that will win. It's the best overall bid. And that's an important point, actually, is that just because you are cheap and your price score is good, a lot of the weighting is also on the quality side. And then there's the separate social value. So we're looking at the whole bid response, not just individual sections. We are under pressure on our budgets, but it shouldn't be to the detriment of the quality angle of contract delivery. So just remember that when you're dealing with the public sector. And just to quickly go back to the social value portal. So if this is a contract where they're evaluating the social value responses, not you, they do that scoring and then they give you the results. And do you do like a sample check or do you just take their results and that's what goes straight into the final tally? I always sense check and evaluation. There is mitigation of risk, if you like, with having an external social value body doing that evaluation for us. So there is that bit of independence, which is good, but we always make sure that the evaluation is good and correct before we release it back to the procurement officers. So I always do a sense check, but most of the time it goes to the procurement officer unchanged. And what do you wish suppliers would do that they don't currently do or not enough of them do? And what do you wish that they wouldn't do? Can I start with the wouldn't do? Yeah. I have real issues with companies just wanting to do school visits. And when we were talking about the tick box exercise earlier on, that is a tick box exercise going into a school and doing a talk suppliers would be on a conveyor belt in and out of the schools if we allowed everybody to do that all the time. So that is one of my bugbears. The other issue that we have at the moment as well is that we have an oversupply of CV workshops to youngsters 
and adults. Every company wants to do CV workshops. So although they are good, they do provide social value. They do bring benefits to people, but it's what every company wants to do. So what I would wish people would do is think a little bit outside the box. Instead of going into a school, how about putting some educational resources together that schools can use rather than going in and doing assemblies and stuff and you know think a little bit outside the box think about what benefits you can bring to our community using your skills don't think outside the box that it's out of your comfort zone what can you do in your comfort zone to help the residents of Solihull and the small businesses? One of the things that we're getting really good responses for is people or companies that want to provide expert advice to our voluntary sector or small to medium enterprises. And that could be anything from HR advice, legal advice. But at the moment, the one that is taking off is all around carbon, reduction and environmental issues and they are being really well received and more and more companies are wanting to do them. That market may be saturated in the future as well but at the moment it's really really useful. One question that I always like to ask everybody is can you share with us a useful resource that you use at work whether it's a tool or an app or a website or it could be a blog that you read, a newsletter that inspires you or an online resource that you found, something that really Oh my goodness, this is so useful. I couldn't do that. Do you know what? I love the social value files from Santala because they have some really useful tips come out on that. But I suppose the one that I use every day because we're their customers are Social Value Portal. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Social Value with me, Sarah Stone. My guest today was Carol Glenn, and the show was produced and edited by Chris Keane.